Hey there, what's going on? Welcome to the Shaleen Show. On Fridays, we take a ride in the car and we just chat about all the things. Mondays and Wednesdays are the shows where you're going to get more takeaways. It's often when I have incredible guests on. I deep dive into specific topics. I always try to make sure that they're like things that you can do, solutions, etc. But on Fridays, it's super chill and we just talk about life. So please put on your seatbelt because we are in the car and we are going for a ride. So this week was interesting. If you didn't catch it, some pretty cool episodes this week. Wow, that Wednesday episode. Woo! So Monday was about self-care, which if you haven't listened to it and you struggle with self-care, go back and listen to it because it will change your brain and it'll change your mind and your thinking about self-care. Just high level, I really think that we've marketed self-care or like the way we define it is so strange that we've lost the purpose of it and we've turned it into this thing that makes people feel guilty and self-conscious or that they're not worthy or that they should be doing something for their family. And if we are to look at self-care a lot differently, I promise you can find the time. I promise it doesn't cost any money and it'll make your whole life better. You'll show up in a better way for the people that you love. All right. So go back and listen to that episode. And then Wednesday's episode, Brett and I took questions from the audience. I posted a question sticker on Instagram So please follow me there because that's where we can, you know, that's where I do these polls. Where we talk about the show is in the pod squad, which is a private Facebook group. I'll talk about that in a minute too. But anyways, so I posted up, you know, ask us anything. And I was shocked. (laughs) I wasn't shocked. but I was like, we were both pretty surprised that I'd say 85% of the questions were about sex. And it could be because I said, ask Brett and I anything. I don't know, but I I haven't had that happen before, but it seemed to me based on the questions that a lot of you are struggling with this, meaning you think you should be having it more often. You're tired. You don't enjoy it as much. Your libido is lower, all the things, or maybe it's your husband. So there's this lady running down the street in a leather jacket. Why? Why? I mean, literally she looks like she's just jogging. Hmm. That's interesting. There's always that person at the gym where you're like, huh, so you just were driving by a gym and you just walked in? It's like a dude in like work boots and a pair of jeans, Levi's, plaid shirt, vest, like down vest hat. And you're like, and he's like doing bicep where you're like, okay, that's fine. That's how my dad works out. I'm like, dad, do you want to put on like tennis shoes or like, I don't know, sweatpants? He's like, nope. (laughs) Okay. Anyways, I digress because I have ADHD. What was I even talking about? Oh yeah. So all the questions, a lot of the questions were about sex. Some of them were way too personal, but I think you'll be quite shocked by the questions that we did ask. So some follow-up commentary. First of all, the pod squad, you guys are freaking hysterical. I love when you guys pick on me. I think it's phenomenal. You're like, "Mm, does anyone really believe Shalene that Brett is the freaky one. And you guys are all like, yeah, I don't buy it. I don't buy it. I thought that was hysterical. I did also enjoy seeing that many of you just listening to the episode really kind of sparked things up for you. The last couple of days have been boom, chicka, bow, wow. That's fun. I think the overwhelmingly most important tip apparently that I gave based on feedback was that if you want things to go quicker, because I know that there are those ladies out there who enjoy it. You know, you want it to last like an hour or 45 minutes. 
God bless you. But the overwhelming majority of us were like, let's go. You know, there's chafing, there's things. <laughs> Some of us have ADHD and can't focus for like that long. So, you know, let's go. And my suggestion was get them hot and heavy. And same is true for your lady or your man. Get them hot and heavy all day long. Because it's the anticipation of it that's exciting. In the moment, it's just body parts. But like if you can get somebody all revved up all day long by sending messages and, you know, being flirtatious, that really helps. And then the other thing I said is, you know, I'm not above a little dirty talk, especially <laughs> especially if, well, you know, I guess this is probably TMI, but like, especially if I, I am done, shall we say, and he's not yet, well then I'll say what I need to say. And I'm not ashamed of it. I would be ashamed if anyone heard what I said, but yeah, I'm not ashamed of the, that tactic. Can't wait for you guys to listen to Monday and Wednesday's episodes next week. So I had this great couple on and they're experts at recovery from betrayal in a marriage or relationship. I shouldn't say marriage in a relationship. And they were phenomenal. It's going to be a two-parter. Monday's episode is going to be about, is specifically kind of designed for the person who's been betrayed. And then Wednesday is designed to really address the person who was the unfaithful. And as I said, in, when I was interviewing them, like betrayal in a marriage isn't just adultery. Betrayal in a marriage can be lies. There can be financial betrayal, gambling, drugs, porn, just texting with somebody, an emotional affair, uh, hiding things. Like all of these things are betrayals and, and they undermine the trust in a marriage and that's really deadly. And how do you recover from that? You guys are going to love these episodes. I can't wait for you to hear those. That's next week. And then I wanted to answer some additional like questions I've been getting this week and I will do that. But just first I wanted to say happy Thanksgiving next week. Is it next week? I think so. Yeah. We're going to go out of town. We're going to go to Palm Springs because our family's kind of like everywhere and we were going to fly back to Michigan, but the tickets were like, I don't know, like $6,000 a piece or something. It was ridiculous. So we're like, okay, we'll do that in December. Let's just take off. All family seems to be gone and dispersed and... It's just, it's just one of those years. And, and also we're having our house torn up. We're getting some remodeling done. So it just seemed like the right thing to do. So we're going to head off to Palm Springs. I'm super excited about that. I didn't get a chance to really tell you how much I loved spending time with the pod squad. And these are people who are in our podcast group who we have a Facebook group and it's just for people who listen to the pod squad. There's always a link in the show notes. It's just the greatest people. I have to say that meeting everybody when I was in New York was just so easy, so comfortable, so natural because I guess because it just, it's like attracts like. And my absolute favorite listeners are the people who listen on Fridays, right? So if you're listening, you're like my favorite kind of listener. Like we're going to get along when we meet and it's just super comfortable and natural. And I really, really enjoy it. And that's coming from someone who's an introvert. Like I don't always love doing networking kind of things, but I guess because you just are the way you are. Like when I got to meet with 
when I get to meet with people from the pod squad, like I love that you guys just always ask the deep, like, oh, hi, Shalene, nice to meet you. Okay. So anyways, I want to ask you and you just ask the deep questions and I freaking love that. Like, yeah, I just, I love that you guys are that way. I love that you know, you can pretty much ask me anything and I'm, I'm an open book. I mean, there are a few things I can't or probably won't talk about because it involves someone else. But for the most part, if you ask me, it's like a truth serum. I have to just tell you what I think or tell you the honest answer. And I love that you all were cool with me asking tons of questions. And so it was a great time. Anyways, to answer a few more comments and questions that have come up this week. Okay. So someone asked, would I ever do plastic surgery again? And do I have PTSD? Well, I didn't realize that I have PTSD, but I definitely do because there's been a couple of situations and circumstances where I was like, wait, whoa, wow, what's this? Sorry, the train's going by. It's kind of loud. So for example, I went to see the eye doctor and I've seen him many times before. It was just my, you know, annual exam for my eyes. I am farsighted with astigmatism, in case you're wondering. And my ophthalmologist walked in with scrubs on, which he normally doesn't. And I had a I felt it, man. I had a strain. He's the nicest, sweetest, you know, kind of all business kind of nerdy guy. Hope he doesn't listen. But when he walked in with scrubs, ah, it was weird. I felt a little panicked. And then I was just like, okay, oh, oh, okay. I know what this is, which is interesting because I've seen my treating plastic surgeon, the, the one who's been like following up with my aftercare. Dr. Kackemeister, and I don't get that at all with him at all. And I guess it's because I see him as kind of like my safe place because he was like the first person when I went to go see him after my, you know, horrible nightmare experience. And I just felt so traumatized and scared. And I don't know, just kind of still in a little bit of shock. He was so, you know, that feeling you get if you can remember when something bad happened and then you finally get to see your mom or you finally get to see your dad and you've been holding it together and you're like really strong and tough and then all of a sudden you see your mom or all of a sudden you see your dad or whoever that is for you and I pray that you had somebody like that when you were a kid that just made you feel safe and like, (sighs) okay, look, I'm, I'm safe. You know what I mean? Like they give you a hug or maybe it was a teacher or an aunt for you or a friend's mom. I don't know. I just pray that you had somebody in your life like that. But that's the sensation that was a feeling that I got when I saw him was like, okay, I'm safe. And he was so uh, consciously aware of the state that I was in. Again, Dr. Kackemeister, I've seen him for like plenty of things. He did the plastic surgery on my ears. I went to him for the consultation before. It's a long story and I've already told it a million times, so I'm not going to bore you guys with explaining it again. But anyways, he's always been very professional and kind and warm and conscientious about like, you know, making certain that I'm covered up. If he's doing a breast exam, like he makes sure I'm like completely covered up and he's like, okay, you know, it's just totally different. But anyways, when I went to see him after my traumatic experience, it was different. He was even more gentle. It was like, it was almost like he knew I had been traumatized. Like he was quieter. He was moved slower he's just a very intuitive doctor and I just could almost get tears in my eyes right now thinking about like how kind and caring he's been. So will I get additional plastic surgery? I will. I will because I have to have things fixed. 
I don't know that I would have anything. Well, sure. I mean, at some point I might want to have something else done. I don't know. You know, like who knows? You just don't know. But I do know this for a fact. I for sure need to have revisions. I shouldn't say I know that for a fact. I'm almost positive I need to have revisions. Like my areolas are just, I don't know, man. It looks like a two blind three-year-olds using dull scissors cut these suckers out. Like it just does not look right. And my areolas were perfect before. Perfect little circles. My breasts were just too big. And we're just going to move them up. You know, and I just don't understand. But anyways, there's that and there's like the strange disfigurement from the, I don't know what, but the burns, you know, there's this whole like thread underneath one of my Instagram posts where people are like, oh, these are tape burns. I'm like, no, they're not. There wasn't any tape there. Those are burns that I woke up with after the surgery. They're burns. I know what burns look like. They were burns. They weren't bruises. They were burns. And they scabbed over and the skin is like thick and discolored and weird. And, and every single time I'm standing in front of the mirror, I look at it and I hate it. And it's not like I was going to be wearing like bikini. I just never really was like the short broad top kind of girl. I mean, I had to do that in fitness videos and stuff. But the fact that like I try to cover that up in front of my husband. The fact that I can't wear like, I mean, I can wear like a deep cut V dress or like certain fashions or whatever. It's just like, I would have to like cover it all up with makeup and it just, I'm self-conscious about it. I don't like it. I don't like looking in the mirror and going, okay, I loved what I had before. They were just too big. And now going, what is this? What even is this? It's frustrating, but I'm three months out. So maybe things will improve. Maybe the scarring will diminish. I don't know. But there's just like some strange deformities. And I'm like, what even is this? And the fat on my hips, that's the other thing. So I've seen a couple of my girlfriends and they're like, Shaleen, I can't even tell. I know they're being nice. And I know it is not like excessive. It's moderate. But it's not my shape. I've always been a square. Do you know what I mean? I always just kind of went like straight down and I had the hip dip that like indentation in my hips. And as I've said, he filled that in and I'm sure this is where it's weird. I'm sure some people are like, Oh, that's a beautiful feminine shape. And it's not like dramatically different than what I looked before, but it's just enough. That's like, but that's not my body. This isn't me. This isn't what I wanted. It doesn't look like me. I didn't want fat on my hips. So I talked to Dr. Kackemeister about that. He said, you really need to wait for the six month mark, at least six months before you do anything about that. I'm like, but this makes me mad that now I have to have liposuction on my hips. And he said, well, you know, there's also a very good chance you're going to lose a lot of that because he did a fat transfer there. And typically you lose about 30% of that. So when they do like BBLs or fat transfers, even fat transfers to the breast, fat transfers to the face, it's your own tissues, if you will, your own DNA, etc. But 
apparently that's why people go back in and they get BBL after BBL after BBL because like you lose the volume and you go back in, they put more in. And so each time they do that, they have to do liposuction from some area of your body to put it in your butt, right? Or wherever they're going to put it. You, you can do fat transfers just about anywhere. Like a lot of women now are having their breast implants removed due to breast implant illness and deciding to do fat transfers instead. But anyways, my point is this. That just sucks. I just, you know... <sighs> That's not redoing something. That's undoing something. And that's annoying. But yeah, I suppose I do have a little bit of PTSD, but I'm also a strong person. And, you know, I'm working with some great people to help me through this. So I got a bunch of questions this week, which I thought was interesting, about Brett's gambling. And, you know, when I was talking to this couple about betrayal like so much of what they talked about. I'm like, oh yeah, I went through that stage. Yep, I went through that stage. I went through that stage. And someone asked if I'd ever went to a support group. I did not. And I didn't because I was embarrassed. I was afraid that if I knew people there, because in, like, you know what, everyone, whatever, I guess it depends on where you live. But like at the time I had, you know, uh, infomercial airing on TV, like a lot more than what, what it is right now. And I just was like, oh my gosh, if people show up that then that's going to expose Brett and I probably would have been okay with it. But as I've told you guys, it was our secret. And by that, I mean, it was our private matter to deal with. I told one friend, all my closest, closest friends, I told one friend, one, because it was ours to work through and we had to get to the, why was he gambling? We had to get to his traumas. We had to get through, you know, he had to work through it. He had to eventually get work through his own shame and guilt around it. And I just, you'll hear, we talk about it on Monday a little bit, like how important it is not to tell people unless they're like basically a professional because you just don't know how things are going to turn out. I mean, unless like the, you know, marriage is over and you're whatever, then obviously got to tell people. But like, if you're working through things, keep that to yourself and your therapist, because people are going to give you opinions. You might not be friends with that person five years from now, and you might not want that to be shared maybe because of your kids or your family member or, or reputation, who knows? So I didn't go to a gambling anonymous there are those or an Al-Anon type meeting, any of those. I think it would have been super helpful. Today, I feel like there's probably more of an opportunity to do that almost anonymously online. And I think it'd be super helpful. Today, I think support groups are, are probably different. And also, again, if Brett had been more willing to talk about or, you know, just he really wanted to work through it. I just didn't feel like it. even once we were good and healed and I was ready to talk about it, I had no shame in it whatsoever. And I didn't feel like he needed to have any shame in it either. He still wasn't ready to talk about it publicly. He, so he still had, you know, was worried about like people judging him and judging me, like, why'd you stay, blah, blah, blah. And, and also we wanted to wait till our kids were older. So, you know, it was took some time before we ever really went public with that story, but I still feel like there are times where we're out to dinner or whatever. We're like talking to another couple and they'll bring up something. And I always think to myself like, well, Brad, tell your story. But he doesn't. And I'm a storyteller, so I can't expect him to always do that. I just have to tell people like what I'm going through. I just 
and be honest and transparent. And I'm not saying he's not honest. I'm just saying like, sometimes I'm like, well, tell him about you. And he's like, uh, no, you know what I mean? Anyways, a couple more questions about Brett. Some of you asked also if Brett has ever done fillers or Botox or anything like that. Brett, I haven't asked his permission, but I'm just going to rat him out right now. Yeah, he does Botox. And I like for him to do Botox because he's got, if he doesn't do Botox, he gets this angry eyebrow thing that goes on where I'm like, he furrows his brows and he just looks like he's mad all the time. So I'm like, you need to go get some Botox because I don't need to be thinking you're mad. So yeah, he gets Botox probably once every six months. One thing that we both do together and we post on our stories is once a week, sometimes every other week, we have someone come to our house who does an IV drip of glutathione and vitamin B, vitamin D, you know, like high dosage of stuff for healing, including MIC, which I can't even remember what that stands for. I'll look it up. And the reason why we do that is, well, it's easier, it's faster, it's more direct, and it's more, there's greater bioavailability when it's, when you get it dripped into you, but it's a little bit more expensive. And I, I don't post about it too much because listen, I get it. That's a luxury and it's not a necessity. You don't need to do it. And we don't really even need to do it, but it, because we can afford to do it, it's nice because it's convenient and it's helpful and it's helps with longevity, but it also kind of makes me mad that these things just aren't available through everyone's insurance. I know that I'm privileged to be able to have that opportunity. I get it. But it may, also makes me mad that why can't everybody have access to things that just keeps them healthier longer? Why is the only thing that's covered is sick care? Anything you want to do that's like preventative, like hyperbaric oxygen chamber treatment. Like I just, I did that today and it really helps my brain. It helps me with healing, etc. There are so few things that doesn't help. It's just regenerates new cells. It pumps oxygen at a concentrated level into your entire body. So your brain works better. Everything works better. Your skin looks better. You sleep better. Like you heal faster, everything. Why is that not covered? I feel like there's so many things that we could save the insurance industry millions and millions and millions of dollars if we just covered those things that help people to get ahead of it. Anyways, I digress. Additional questions. Here we go. Ah, Shalene, love that you're doing this push me challenge and I've had the most productive weeks ever. However, I still forget to look at what is on my schedule. How do you remember to do that with ADHD? Okay, it's a habit, that's how. The same way I guarantee that you remember to check your phone every 10 minutes, it's just a habit. So you've gotta create a trigger. I, I know when I say it's just a habit, that makes it sound a lot easier said than done. But habits, the science of habit formation is something we really teach inside the Phase It Up program. And I think many of you took advantage of the special that we have going. I think it's still in place. I'm not sure. We can check it out. I'll put a link in our show notes. But basically, if you send me a Instagram DM, which you can do right now while you're listening, just open up Instagram. The podcast will keep playing. Go to at Johnson. Go to my stories or just send me a message and say, send me the word deal. And when you do that, I'll send you a link to phase it up that when you 
subscribe to the vitamin pack, the vitamin pack that I designed for women specifically that helps you balance like all of the essentials. You know what? I just want to tell you, these are big pills. They are, and they are a medical grade. Like they are the highest possible grade that we could find. And you'll find a way to take them. I have, I don't love swallowing pills, but these are exceptional. And what was I saying? Why am I saying this? Oh yeah, because when you subscribe, you get those like mailed to you once a month, right? You got to take them every day. So put them by your coffee maker, put them by your toothbrush, someplace where you're going to take that pack every single day. And part of what we teach and phase it up is how to create a habit, which isn't just doing something every day for 30 days. It's attaching it to some other pre-existing habit. So for me, the pre-existing habit for my supplements is I put my canister that holds them right next to my coffee maker. I just think, oh, there it is. Coffee, oh, supplements, take my supplements. For my phone though, for my push journal, I've done things that I'm attaching to my push journal, if that makes sense. So when I grab my phone, I've trained myself to not look at my phone, but to look at my push journal instead. It is with me all the time. So you just, I train myself to think phone, push journal. And one of the ways that I did this was by taking a screenshot of my push journal and I made it my screensaver on my phone. So anytime I tapped my phone to like see what time it was, I would see my push journal. I was like, oh, check my push journal. Where's my push journal? And again, I say this regularly. I don't care if you use a push journal. I think it's superior, but I do think it's very, very important that you use a physical prompt some type of a journal because your phone is a distraction. For most of us, by the time you open up your phone, even if you're thinking, oh, I just need to check my calendar. By the time you open up your phone, you've already received a notification and there you are on Instagram scrolling through your sister's, brother's, younger daughter's wedding photos. You know what I'm saying? So there are no notifications that are going to pop up on your push journal. No one's going to text you on your push journal. No one's going to send you a prompt that so-and-so is live on your push journal. It just, you can just focus and I freaking love it. So every single day you can be a part of this challenge. My goal is to do it until January 11th, every day consecutively. I've always done it on a regular basis, but you know, sometimes I'll miss for four or five days and then I feel bad because I've had really unproductive days and I can't figure out why. So I am posting it a screenshot of my to-do list every single day to Instagram. You can join me. Just use the hashtag push me. And I'm telling you, people are, are like, wow, this is so simple. And I've been so productive and so on it. I'd love to hear how it's worked for you. Like, leave me a voicemail message, you guys. Leave me a voicemail message. You just go to shaleen.com forward slash podcast. And there's a little widget on our website that allows you to leave me a voicemail message. Tell me how it's worked out. I want to know if it was simple, if it's easy, if you're finding your days are going better. That would be super helpful to hear from you guys. Another person asked me, which I think this is going to be great for you to listen to the podcast on Monday and Wednesday about betrayal in a relationship. And a few of you have asked, how long did it take to feel like you were healed from it? (sighs) That's a good question. A lot longer than I would wished. And that was hard because for Brett, he felt this euphoric relief that he no longer had to carry that secret. 
Like he was sad and devastated and embarrassed and ashamed, but he was also relieved. So I don't think he could relate. It was hard for him to understand how like even two and three years later, I would just go back over like, so that one time when you said you were going to such and such, did you really go there? That one time when you said we miraculously had the money that we needed for our down payment on our first house, what was that? You know, like these like memories would keep coming to me and I would still feel betrayed. And so it took a lot longer and I kept asking that question too. Like I would ask other people like, you know, and I would ask my therapist, like, how long do I have to feel this way? When will I trust him again? And it just happens, but it happens day by day, but one drop at a time, one drop at a time. And then someone also asked what got him to stop. So Brett is a very black and white person. Sarah's this way too. They're like all or nothing. So the day I confronted him, he says that he's never felt an urge ever again. But he did, I'm trying to think how many years ago it was. It wasn't too long ago that he told me he did have, I'm totally forgetting exactly what the details were. I can't remember if he wanted to see how it felt, but like he, he placed a bet on something and he was like, yeah, nope, didn't do anything for me. Didn't feel the rush. So I knew like basically it was gone, but probably like two years after that, we went to Las Vegas and I was like, so how do you feel? When he was gambling, he was gambling on the phone. He was doing it on the computer. He was going to the track. He was going to Vegas. He, he, any way that he could, he was gambling. And I was with him sometimes, but other times I wasn't. So anyways, he never felt that again. And he says it's lost its allure. It's lost its pull. It doesn't have anything on him. And, you know, he replaced that habit with investing. But what's really cool about what therapy did for him is he recognizes there are certain types of stocks and, you know, like I think they call it day trading and uh, penny stocks. And he says, I won't touch that because that feels too much like gambling. And so what he's had to learn to do with investing is patience and the long game. And none of that is happening when you're gambling. It's all like, you know, quick rush. And, and really the other thing that helped him to not gamble, we live by the train tracks and I'm parked right by the train tracks. So I don't know if you can hear the train, but anyways, the biggest thing was recognizing that his addiction was a distraction, right? So when 90% of the time, whatever your addiction is, whether it's an eating disorder or gambling or sex or drugs or alcohol, it is to numb something that you don't want to think about. And so he had to work through his traumas. He had to work through things from his past. And once he did, he didn't have to numb himself anymore. And he just became such a better person. You know, I've talked about this before, but if you're new... Uh, the first part of our marriage, he was always on edge. And I always felt like you could joke with him, but you couldn't poke him too much because then he would just like come at you like 
like with something that was mean. He, he didn't have a sense of humor the way he does now. And he was always on guard and he never really went, like he always seemed preoccupied. And so I was always on kind of pins and needles and every year that went by, it seemed like it got more intense because there were more things going on. Like we had kids and now he was trying to not think about his own stuff that he hadn't worked through. And that could be a full-time job. And then he's also preoccupied by the fact that he was gambling all along. And then on top of that, so he's trying to keep track of that. And he's trying to hide all these lies and hide all these things and hide thoughts from himself and trying to avoid not thinking about like traumas from his past. And, and now we have a baby and now we have another baby and now we've got a business. And so it's just when people have unresolved traumas from their past, eventually just one more thing is too much. And that's oftentimes you find these types of people and maybe it's you, maybe it's someone, you know, or a significant other, but you get these, like they snip and they bite and they, they snap and they're irritable. And it's just like, Whoa, where'd that come from? What's the big deal? This person just didn't whatever, pick up their clothes or why did you just freak out? That person sat at the red light for two seconds. Why'd you lay in your horn? You know what I mean? And he's not like that now because he's been freed from the secrets. We are as sick as our secrets. So he's freed from the secrets and he did two solid years of intense therapy. And that made a huge difference and continues to do therapy when he needs it. But oftentimes when you go to therapy and pick one particular thing to work on, it's crazy how bloop, 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 bloop. It just kind of like a domino effect. It knocks over so many of your other traumas. So I can't stress it enough. You go to therapy. If it's you, get your partner to go to therapy. If what I've described sounds familiar, how do you do that? Creatively, lovingly. No one wants to be told you need to go to therapy. Like no one needs to, nobody responds to that. Ultimately, though, I had to give him an ultimatum because he was like, I don't, I don't need it and I'm not going. I eventually, I tried everything. So earlier in our marriage, I had got him to go because I told him, you know, therapist thinks it would be helpful for me if you could come in and talk with us both. But once things got really bad with the gambling and everything, I just, he didn't have a choice. So I gave him the ultimatum here's what I need you to do in order for me to stay. And he was very, very willing at that point. But I've had lots of other people who I've helped them get somebody to get help. And you just have to know the person. You have to be creative. Maybe it's you saying, you know, putting it on your kids. Like, if you love our children, you'll do this. Don't do it for me. Do it for our kids. Or maybe it is an ultimatum or maybe it is doing it creatively. Like, you know, saying like, I'm really been struggling with some things and my therapist thinks it'd be super helpful if you came in and did a solo session with him or her. There's, you just be creative. You know your partner, but just remember this. Nobody wants to be backed into a corner. Nobody wants to think that they have a problem. No one wants to think there's something mentally wrong with them or that they're mentally ill or sick, etc. Nobody wants to feel like they are the root cause or the problem. And that's number one, number two, number three, number four, number five, whatever number I'm on, 
the biggest thing is therapy scares people until they go. Because if you spent your entire life successfully avoiding thinking about something painful and you know in therapy you're going to have to think about it, that takes courage. But you'll be done with it once and for all. Literally, there is a beginning, middle, and end to that thing that continually haunts you. All right. Well, wasn't expecting to get so deep on a Friday car smart, but we did. Is there anything I missed? I hope not. Listen, I love you. And I truly, truly love you. Having such a good time in the pod squad. Oh, I know I was going to tell you. Uh, I'll save it for next week. Don't let me forget to tell you about my, uh, my court appearance, upcoming court appearance. I'll tell you about that next week. I love you. I mean it. I'll talk to you soon.